Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Nicole, and I will be reading Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees met together to find a way to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples along with supporters of Herod to him. Teacher, they said, we know that you are genuine and that you teach God's way as it really is. We know that you are not swayed by people's opinion because you don't show favoritism. So tell us what you think. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Knowing their evil motives, Jesus replied, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used to pay the tax. And they brought him a denarian. Whose image and inscription is this, he asked. Caesar's, they replied. Then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. When they heard this, they were astonished and they departed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nicole, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you very much doing that. So while we've had, well, what a service. I mean, we've had the backpack blessing. We've had some fun music. Uh, We heard excellent ministry going on in Tanzania. It's just a lot to take in today, right? So I'm going to invite us for just a moment. We're going to, here in just a moment, we're going to take a deep breath. And I just invite you, as you take in your deep breath, you're going to open your hands just as wide as you possibly can. And as you exhale, you're going to relax them, okay? So just... Oh, there we go. There we go. So, several years ago, I was at a gathering of people, and, and it was a, just a casual social setting in that moment, and uh, a lot of different folks that were there, and one of these guys that was there uh, sitting close to me uh, was a great guy. I mean, just everybody loved the guy. He was very uh, encouraging and joyful, enthusiastic, and he just he would do anything to help anybody. He was a committed Christian. He would go to Sunday school and church, and he volunteered for the youth ministry, and he gave generously, and he served in a variety of capacities around the church. The kind of person that in most churches, they'd say, wow, we need more of that person in our church. So we're sitting there talking. Under just casual conversation, banter going around, and then someone mentions the name of a, of a political person in those days. And that, and that, and that person sitting there, this great guy, you, the change on his expression was amazing, and all of a sudden this long stream of ugly, unkind words came out of his mouth about that political figure. And I was just kind of like, wow, how did, we, how did that happen? How do we get from there to there so fast? I mean, it was like, do you remember the cartoon Tasmanian Devil? I mean, it was kind of like, it kind of felt like that. I was kind of like, I, okay, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe you've been around that kind of situation before. The person that, that presents himself one way and then, wow, in the blink of an eye, they present a very a very different way. How do you engage that conversation? Uh, sometimes it's wise just not to, to be honest. So yeah, we're going to talk about politics today. Uh, difficult conversations, politics. Uh, I, I've said before publicly, this is not new information, although some of you have not heard me say this before. I've been a purple voter for almost all my adult life. 
I, so I, I just have. I, I don't go with one necessarily or the other. It just depends on what's going on, depends on the candidates, depends on all kinds of things. So I'm not a straight line uh, voter, typically, in, in the voting. So just might help you to know that about me. I'm well aware that uh, there is more that could be said today than can be said. Not enough time to say a lot of things that need to be said. And I'm also aware that you may have come in today kind of expecting certain things to be addressed. You might have expected me to say certain things. You might have certain kinds of expectations of what this would be like today. So I'll just invite you to take a moment and lower your expectations. Not a bad idea to do every Sunday, by the way. Just kind of lower the expectations. But here's what I will do. I will provide some information that will cause you to think. At least I hope it does. Thinking is is actually a voluntary activity. So I'm hoping it'll cause you to think. I'm going to give you uh, information that will provide more context to the issue around politics. And I'm going to give you more information that will open your eyes to this scripture passage that Nicole just read. This scripture, God give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and God what belongs to God is... Uh, sometimes bantered around in conversations around religion and politics, right? Sometimes it's used as a a way to to speak to the issue of separation of church and state. Um, Well, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's really not what Jesus is talking about here, because remember, this was the first century. (laughs) You had the Roman Empire. That was it. I mean, it was illegal to be a Christian, in the Roman Empire. So you want to talk about separation of church and state, there were, that wasn't even a question. That wasn't even an idea that there could be some kind of mingling of Christianity and religion and, and uh, government. So that wasn't what he's talking about. We have to remember then that the Gospels are about Jesus. Period. They're about Jesus. Matter of fact, you know, the, the titles of the Gospels are the, the, the good news, of, or the Gospel means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ according to Matthew, according to Mark, Luke, John. Same thing. It's about, they're about Jesus. What God has accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what the Gospels are about. And so, as much as we would sometimes like for them to be, the Gospels, are, they're not about elections, and they're not about... Um, the United States or Russia or Afghanistan. They're about Jesus. We have to remember that when we look to the Gospels. We've been, we've been struggling with the relationship of politics and faith uh, for a long time. So let me just uh, briefly kind of uh, let you know uh, what this, uh, where this comes from. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It, has, it doesn't just go back to, you know, the colonists that left England and came to, to you know, what's now America. No, no. We've got to go back to the 4th century. The 4th century and the Roman Emperor Constantine. Roman Emperor Constantine, who was one of the, really one of the most significant figures in world history, uh, especially European history. Uh, very, very important uh, person in that day and time of the Roman Empire. He decided to establish an eastern capital because there had been, uh, they had, the, the empire had spread so far, so he established an eastern capital at what was Byzantium at the time, uh, and he changed the name of it to Constantinople. You know, might as well name it after himself. He's the emperor. 
uh, Constantinople. And then later that, that, I mean, later on, years later, here's the trivia. Years later, that became a different city. Who knows what, what it is now? Istanbul, Turkey. So that's where we're talking about. That's where the eastern capital was that Constantine established. Now, Constantine, one of the things he did was he made Christianity legal. He legalized Christianity. That's not a small thing. More than that, he was the first Roman emperor to convert to Christianity. First Roman emperor to convert to Christianity. And, and Christianity kind of became the de facto official religion of the Roman Empire because of this. I mean, so think about how world-changing that is. You had people who had zero, zero power and influence in their world. And all of a sudden, their emperor converts to their same faith. And now that emperor begins to appoint people to positions of government and leadership. And now, all of a sudden, Christians have power and influence. And we have been struggling with this for, what's that, 16, 1700 years? What does that look like and how do we do it? So it goes back a very, very long way. So let's look at the scripture passage uh, that Nicole read. So Jesus is in, in Jerusalem in the temple area um, where Jews come for offering, for pilgrimage, all those things. It's right after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, you know, where he's riding on the back of a donkey and people are waving palm branches, shouting Hosanna. Yeah, the Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. That's, he has come into Jerusalem. That has just happened. So there he is in the temple area, and here come some Pharisees and supporters of Herod. I'm just going to call them Herodians. These are people who are Jews, but they have some differences, some significant differences. Now, the Pharisees we know a little bit about. I actually talked about them a little bit last week. The Pharisees were a group of Jude within the Jewish faith who were very, very strict in their observance of God's law. Very strict. And there were a lot of times Jesus had some spirited conversations with them about that. Now, one of the things you may not know is that they really, really did not like the Roman Empire. They really did not like the Roman Empire, and they were, would be fine for the Roman Empire to be gone so that God's rule could be established. So, because they didn't like the Roman Empire, they didn't like to pay Roman taxes. They, were, they, they resisted, they resented it, they, they pushed back on it. Now, they'd usually eventually pay their taxes. But they did not like what they were doing. The Herodians, the supporters of Herod, remember King Herod in the story of when Jesus was born? He was a Jew, but he converted to Judaism. He was not born Jew, he converted Judaism. So these people were supporters of King Herod. They were Jews who supported King Herod, and they loved the Roman Empire. They fully supported the Roman Empire. So they were fine paying taxes to the Roman Empire. Okay, so just to put it in a little bit of perspective, in, in our day and time, this would be like a small group of people from the far right and a small group of people from the far left politically coming together to go talk to Jesus. Hard to imagine, right? And yet they did. I, I imagine Jesus doing a double take, kind of a, like, what, what are y'all doing together? But he knew something was up. 
He knew something was up. So they come up and they flatter him initially. Oh, we know you teach the word of God just as it says. You are very genuine. We know, and you don't show any favoritism. Uh Okay, no favoritism, but they're they're about to test that. Because remember, the Pharisees had already decided to kill Jesus. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, they'd already decided he must go. What they want to do is to always challenge him in ways that he would, say, that he would slip. He would say something wrong. And then they, they could go, see, see. So, here's the question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Well, that, isn't that an interesting question? I mean, because it was the law. So what do they mean, is it lawful to do that? And they didn't ask, is it, is it against the law to... Is it lawful? So Jesus, knowing what was going on, said, well, give me the coin you used to pay the tax. And they handed him a denarian. A denarian was a coin that uh, was used to pay the tax, which Jews typically did not appreciate because it was, it was based on the census. You know, count the Jews and make them pay a tax. So they handed him a denarian, which had the image. I mean, we have images on our money of people. Had the image of Caesar and the inscription. And the inscription. So what was the inscription? This is what the inscription said. Tiberius Caesar, August son of the divine Augustus, high priest. You see, it was normal for the Roman emperors to ascribe godlike qualities to themselves and to insist that everybody bow down to them. Anybody remember the Ten Commandments? You've heard of those, right? The first two, this is in Exodus chapter 20, if you want to look it up later. The first one is, you will have no other gods besides me. No other gods. No competition here. God alone. We worship God. Secondly, you will not make idols for yourself, and you will not worship them or bow down to them. (laughs) Here's a coin with the image of Caesar with the inscription, he is divine. I mean, right there, I mean, it's kind of like, well, (laughs) you present this to Jesus in the temple courts? I I mean, I'm surprised Jesus didn't just say, well, you know, know, I can just imagine flipping the coin back to him and say, well, you've just broken the first two commandments, but that's okay. And he says, so give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. So, I mean, kind of the short answer on that is, okay, you pay taxes. May not like it, may not be unfair, may, okay, but, okay, yep, yep, pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Go ahead and do it. But he's caught them in their own deceit. He has caught them in their own deceit, and they have no, they have no response. Last week, uh, I made a statement. We were talking about religion, uh, conversations around religion, and I made a statement uh, about how Jesus confronted people. And I said, Jesus confronts religious people who believe that their religiosity makes them superior to others. Those were people Jesus really confronted. And one of the, one of the realities we have today in our, in our world, in our well, at least I'll just speak of about America. <laughs> um, 
or people who kind of co-mingle and mix up their religiosity with their politics, seeming to make themselves superior to others. I think Jesus would say that's a problem. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave for an election. He died on the cross and rose from the grave to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish, was to make possible a new reality. A new reality, a new heaven and a new earth where all people of all nations would gather with God and there would be no more pain and no more suffering and God himself would wipe every tear from our eyes. That's what God wants to accomplish. That's what Jesus came to do. Of course, when we think of politics, we think of power, right? We think of power, the power of politics. Um, And sometimes we kind of get, we may get a little bit confused because we may remember, well, wait, Jesus said something about power. He did in Acts chapter one, when he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and God gives you the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Dunamis is the word, it's a Greek, the Greek word for our word dynamite. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But there's a really important distinction to make. See, there's power. You can make the argument that power is neutral. It just depends on how you use it. There's power over. And I think in our, in our, where we live and space we occupy in our day and time, I think a lot of what people think of as power is power over others. We're the ones making the decisions now. We're the ones. It's power over. When Jesus said, you will receive power with the Holy Spirit, it's power for spreading the good news. It's power for saying, God has a better future for us planned. It's power for reaching out to people of all nations to help them be a part of this great imagination that God has for us someday. Power over and power for. Very different things. That is what Jesus calls us to. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Sometimes we, we don't really think about, well, okay, wait, give to God what belongs to God. What is it exactly belongs to God? If, we had just, if, if Nicole had read just a few more verses in Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus that question, basically. What, what is the, okay, Jesus, what's the thing? What's the one thing that we've we, we got to do? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That is the greatest commandment. That's the thing. <laughs> love God, love people. So what part of this belongs to God? All of it. All of our life. Our mind, our bodies, our hearts, our work, our possessions, our families, our politics. 
belong to God for God's purposes of accomplishing what God intends in the new heaven and the new earth. One of the ways we, we, we talk about this a little bit around here, well, not a little bit, a lot, we say, use that phrase, to live in love like Jesus. Live in love like Jesus. We never say that with live in love like Jesus, except about this, or except in this area, or live in love like Jesus at all times and in all places. You know, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians came to Jesus in a, trying to set a trap. They were enmeshed in the politics of the day. And they were trying to get Jesus to side one way or another, to show favoritism one direction or another. But Jesus called for something else. You came bearing the image of Caesar. But what image will you have in your life? Give to God what belongs to God so that we can, we can be a people that sometimes can be, we can be kind and peaceful and loving and all those kinds of things. And then someone mentions a politician's name or a political party and we become the Tasmanian devil again. But may our, may our, our politics work toward helping to accomplish what God intends of all people gathered in the new heaven and the new earth where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. God will wipe the tears from the eyes of all. So we have to ask the question, what image do we bear? Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, your presence with us because, God, we live in difficult times. We live in contentious times where we are sometimes afraid to say anything. We're afraid to talk about anything. I mean, unless we're with people that agree with us. And outside of that, we're afraid because it's, it's just a pretty volatile situation. God, help us to have a vision of a politic that is different than what the world offers. A politic that is about a power for the sake of other people so that we can work with you on that kingdom where all people will be united and will once again be your new heaven and new earth. God, give us the courage to follow in that direction. Help us to bear your image in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.